Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and salutations, Hempsters. This is your Hempstrepreneurial host, Tyler Hemp, with Hemp Aware Radio, here to empower your hemposphere and focus on what's most important to you. So the reason and purpose for this show is ultimately to usher in a paradigm shift in consciousness and literally manifest peace on earth through the education and utilization of industrial hemp for food, shelter, clothing, energy, healing, and thousands of other products that hemp can produce. Because if our basic needs are met, we can only imagine the things that we can create and design and develop and you know the amazing things that we can do with life. If our food is taken care of and we have shelter and we're clothed and we're not concerned about you know financial worries, our creativity just launches. And so I feel like hemp is a vehicle for that. And uh, if, if you're listening to today's show, we're going to actually be getting into the medicinal, uh, therapeutic, and, and recreational aspects of medicinal cannabis. It's not a topic that we get into uh, often, but I feel like with uh, the launching of the Canopedia.org, it's, it's timely. And, and more and more people are turning on to the medicinal side and, and realizing how long we've actually been utilizing cannabis as a medicine. And uh, so if uh, you want to tune into any uh, previous episodes, you can go to the iTunes podcast library uh, and just type in the word hemp aware, all one word, or you can also go to hempaware.com forward slash radio. And if you want to listen to um, any particular top uh, topics, or if you want me to have anyone on the, on the radio show, if you have any ideas, you can email us at hempaware at gmail.com. And as I mentioned, I want to introduce you to as many hemp products and hemp uses and hemp companies as possible so that you can become familiar with hemp and so inundated with it that it just becomes a part of your daily lifestyle and, and your daily routine to be utilizing hemp. And um, I want you to start you know, utilizing hemp in a way that maybe you haven't before. Maybe you eat hemp seeds. Um, or maybe you wear some hemp clothing, but I want you to not only continue using hemp, but be doing it in in ways that are, you know, benefiting the planet, benefiting your lifestyle, your family. And so today I'm pleased to share with you a very important and and helpful platform for the cannabis industry and for cannabis education. And to help me share with you, uh, I have a, a new friend of mine and the developer and uh, the one who's spearheading the Canopedia.org website, uh, DJ Nikki is his name. And DJ has a very inspiring story that you'll hear on today's show about he was how he was introduced to cannabis and how it transformed his life. Uh, he was, you know, he's a very intelligent man. He has an amazing background. He's a very creative individual. Uh, he's, you know. Uh, very professional. He'll he'll share a little bit about his background, and so it's it's an honor to have him on today's show, and you know involved in the hemp industry and and bringing something to you guys that I feel is so crucial, um, <clears throat> and so you know to help educate you on the Canopedia website and this platform and and what it's all about. Um, welcome to the show, DJ. I really appreciate having you with us today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm honored to be here. Right on. So 
first, I'd love to you know share with our, our listeners a little bit about your background, where you came from, and, and how you kind of led up to being introduced to cannabis. Okay, well, I was born in uh, Detroit, Michigan in 1980, which uh, was not a very good time to be born in Detroit, Michigan, especially in the inner city. Uh, mm-hmm. But my family moved to Florida when I was about uh, nine years old, and that's where I was exposed to uh, Walt Disney World and and learned about animation there and started teaching myself animation after uh, seeing that. And then when I was about 15, my family moved to Australia on the other side of the planet. So um, I, yeah, we got out of Detroit and then I ended up getting into the film industry and actually at the age of 17, got my first job uh, at the age of 21. I was one of the youngest animators ever hired by the Walt Disney Animation Studio and worked there for a bit, Uh, worked in the film industry off and on for about 15 years, um, 20 years all up, uh, but yeah, until actually just a few months ago, I was working in the film industry. Uh, and as I told you before, I, I have a, a bit of a violent past and a lot of uh, extreme situations in my past. And I also come from a very strict Christian family. And one of my friends who has a similar background to mine, but was able to get some help for himself and get his life straightened out, he noticed me sort of wavering. And when I was about 28 years old, he flew me to London and proceeded to de-brainwash me. He took me to a convention called Breaking Convention in 2013, I believe it was, uh, which was on psychedelic medicines. So uh, using uh, cannabis, using LSD, and using, um, what's the um, ecstasy, the, the actual medical term for ecstasy. But anyway, they're actually Uh, researchers, psychologists, doctors, and PhDs all talking about using these substances uh, in a therapeutic setting. And it was the first time I'd ever even thought of these drugs as medicine. Mm -hmm. And so then I proceeded to go through a clinical setting where I would uh, take cannabis, we would smoke it and inhale it uh, in a supervised setting uh, in a safe environment with, you know, low light and soft cushions and we would have an experience, laugh, cry, talk, whatever. And then I would go to sleep. And then the next morning I would wake up and I would have to write for as long as feelings, my thoughts and my experience. And this went on um, not every day, every other day, every third day, uh, but regularly for about three, four months. And it completely changed my life. And mm-hmm. I, I made realizations about my past and was able to uh, experience past traumas from my childhood but I experienced them in a way where they didn't actually hurt. It, it's, it's something that I can't quite explain, but I try and describe it as it's almost like I could take the feelings out of my body and look at them objectively and sort of understand them and then put them back and reintegrate them into my life in a way that I understood them as an adult and they didn't trigger me anymore. So wow. it's almost like I had an, let's say I had an irrational fear of being bit by a dog. So every time I heard a dog bark, my blood pressure would go up. Now I understood why. Mm-hmm. understood that it's not every dog that's dangerous, that sort of thing. That's the way I was able to process my own emotions and my own past memories. And it just changed my life. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, to this day, I, I don't even believe some of the revelations that, that came to me under the drug. Because part of me was thinking, you know, maybe I'm just high and this is bullcrap. So I would message members of my family and ask them if these events actually happened and if, if my feelings were true. And every time it came back positive, that that what I was remembering was true. And it was all a result of letting myself go with the psychedelic experience on cannabis and then writing about it afterwards. That's, that's amazing. And 
oftentimes or most of the time people kind of classify psychedelics or or drugs in general as as an escape as you know kind of trying to get away from those emotions or 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 hide from them or repress them or suppress them but you actually utilize this plant to dive into it it sounds like you were able to specifically intentionally utilize it to get into the subconscious mind or get into these past memories and, and, and heal from them and integrate them, as you said, into your life to where um, they, they weren't negatively affecting you. That's yeah, that's 100% correct. Wow. So, and, and the fact that you came from a very hardcore Christian, non-drug, non-substance using lifestyle. And then this was kind of your, your first um, experience with cannabis I mean, what a what a what a you know profound way to be introduced to it, <clears throat> and so obviously you were inspired by that, and um, you, you you took it to the next level, and uh, you know we'll get into the canopy in just a moment, but I mean, so did did you know about like uh, industrial hemp? Did you know about other uses, or was the cannabis I, plant kind of just a demonized thing in your mind? Yeah, at that point in time, I knew nothing about the plants, and uh, I'd heard of hemp, and it was something that was in my sister's hand lotion, you know, that I didn't like, yeah. and that's right. all that I knew about hemp, and right. yeah, I, I didn't know anything about the uses of, of hemp or the cannabis plants and how, you know, how integral in human history that plant has been. That's something that I only started realizing mm-hmm. after, because that, of course, after, you know, when something changes your life, you want to look into it, you want to understand, yeah. You know, why did I never hear about this before? Why did I believe this was evil and it's mm-hmm. actually beneficial to me? So that's when I started looking into it. Uh, and, of course, the deeper you go into the rabbit hole, <laughs> yeah. the harder it is to go back out. And so yeah. in June of this year, I decided to go to uh, my now wife. She was my fiance at the time. She agreed to come with me to the AHA. It's the European Industrial Hemp Association meeting in June. And that was about as comfortable as I was going because it was industrial hemp. It was talking about using it for fiber, for, uh, you know, panels in BMW cars uh, and mm-hmm. for hemp creep and things like that. And so I wanted to learn more. And I have a press pass because of my um, background in the film industry. So we went as press and we interviewed some people and met some people. And both my, my wife and my minds were completely blown. We, we had no idea mm-hmm. just how deep the history of this plant was and how useful it was level and so at that point we both agreed that this was the direction we wanted to go with our lives and we would start working towards that so uh immediately after that convention i wrote an article about the convention and i sent it to everyone that i met and everyone that i interviewed and everyone that i mentioned in the article uh just Mm -hmm. sending it out there i didn't actually expect anything back but what did come back was a lot of uh uh, praise for the article and a lot of uh, offers to go out more about what they do and one of those people uh actually called me up and suggested that we start a nonprofit foundation for bringing accurate information to people uh like what my mm-hmm. article did where i actually researched the facts and i did the hard work and i tried to write it in a plain word form that normal people could understand he said why don't we do this properly and full time and their mm-hmm. company which is uh, a cannabis medicine research laboratory in spain they actually offered to uh, fully funded by paying for my lifestyle if I was willing to, you know, quit my job and move to Spain and live on very little money. 
uh, to pursue this. And so wow. that's what uh, my wife and I did. We actually had just come back from our wedding. We went to the U.S. Uh, to get married because uh, that's where I'm from, to meet up with family. And when we came back mm-hmm. here a month later, I flew to Spain and signed a contract and agreed to, to quit my job. And so my wife has also give, given her resignation. And in January, we're moving to Spain and we'll both be working on the Canopedia full time. That is so exciting. So just to acquaint people with the idea of the Canopedia, essentially this is a platform to, um, and obviously I'd love to hear your perspective on the purpose of it and the vision, Um, but essentially it's like a cannabis Wikipedia, right? It's it's, it's a legitimate, um, factual, scientific, kind of medical-oriented platform where people can get documented, scientific, kind of proven results that cannabis is, is providing for people. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So the, the um, there's two sort of pillars of the Canopedia, and the one of them is the CanaWiki, which is what you're saying. We want it to be the resource that people can go to to get accurate, reliable, and up-to-date information on cannabis. And at the moment, we're covering medical uh, applications for it, but that's simply because there's such a dire need. You know, I mean, people are literally dying and they need this information and we want to provide a, a one stop where they can go and they can find everything they need and they have the links that they need all gathered in one place. But eventually we also want to expand that to talk about all aspects of, of the hemp plant, which is, as you know, I mean, limitless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and then the second pillar is the journalistic side of things. And um, that's where we're working with other hempsters and we're writing articles in everyday language about the hemp plant, about cannabis as a medicine, about cannabis as a fiber, all the different uses for it. Uh, but that's more of a journalistic side of things where we can give a bit of opinions, but we want everything to be well documented and uh, backed up by links and research. Mm-hmm. So that's the two sides. And then eventually the, the research side of the CanaWiki will feed the journalism side where we can just start writing plain worded articles about all the latest research into cannabis. Right. I love it. So you, you plan on not only having articles and um, kind of journal entries or, or co- like basically uh, covering different medical studies. Um, <clears throat> do you plan on having other types of media like uh, video production and, and other things? I know that obviously that's your background. So I, I would imagine that would be a big part of it as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And actually, we uh, we just got back from Canifest in Prague, and I took some video there. And the response to, to those little video clips that I posted on our Facebook are, has just been astounding. So before mm-hmm. the Canifest, we had 50 followers, uh, 50 likes on Facebook for our page, you know, because we just mm-hmm. started literally a month earlier. And mm-hmm. now a week later, we have uh, close to 800 and our videos oh have been viewed gosh. over 30,000 times. So, oh my gosh, that's phenomenal! What a great, yeah. quick result. I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's a little scary because it's almost a little bit too much too soon. Because you know, the, <laughs> most of the information that we have on the Canopedia right now is literally like if you type in AIDS to see how AIDS can be treated with cannabis. Right now, all we have is just a list of some of the latest research and most important research, but we haven't had time to go through and read all that and summarize it. So. Right. It's it's a double-edged sword, but I'm glad that the information yeah. is getting out there for people. And I've also been very active in, in forums on Facebook for people suffering from different illnesses who are using cannabis as a medicine. And mm-hmm. it's been great to be able to, you know, when someone comes on and says, 
you know, please help. My daughter has a brain tumor and we don't know where to turn for accurate information. I can just send them a link to the Canopedia to the brain tumor section and they have, you know, all the latest mm-hmm. research at their fingertips. So, exactly. Yeah, that's great. And it not only gives them a, a reference on possibly how to administer or how to dose this medicine, but it gives them a sense of, of confidence that, look, other people have been doing this. And, you know, I'm sure there's research that has been lost or, you know, pushed under the rug or burnt, you know, however you want to <laughs> say it, that uh, was probably very well known and very well established before, you know, the early um, 21st century. And, you know, now it's, it's time for us to kind of recongeal and, and bring all of that, that science back because, as, as far as I'm aware, uh, cannabis was in the pharmacopoeia, you know, was in all of the doctor's, um, you know, medicine bags. They, you know, go house to house. Um, back in the day, there wasn't really doctor's offices. The doctor would go to your house and they would bring cannabis indica in their medicine bag and, and administer for PMS, for uh, cancer, for glaucoma, for um, you know, all sorts of different conditions. And it's like all of that information got lost and, and pushed into the rug with the whole demonization and, and propaganda campaign to, to demonize cannabis. So this is really exciting. I feel like this platform is, is so essential and um, yeah. it, it, it's going to be, you know, really important for people like you mentioned that are dealing with these conditions. And uh, yeah, you, well, you actually have, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to ask if you're familiar with the LaGuardia committee report. Because no, I haven't when, heard of um, that. So uh, just a bit of history, because it's, it's great. I, I get to research all this. So I actually have all the facts at my fingertips. But uh, of course, the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act uh, put an extremely high tax on marijuana uh, sales, consumption, everything. It was uh, mm-hmm. broad sweeping. And there's many conspiracy theories uh, about why that was introduced and uh, a lot of compelling evidence that it was definitely for profit and not uh, because this was a dangerous substance. But mm-hmm. the mayor of New York, who was uh, Fiorello LaGuardia, didn't like that. And so he actually commissioned his own study and hired a whole team of doctors and scientists to research cannabis. And it was a five-year study, and he published it. It's called the LaGuardia Committee Report in 1944. But mm-hmm. uh, Harry Anslinger, who was the the head of the Narcotics Commission, he hated it, and he literally sent out his uh, team to find every printed copy of it and burn it. Right. Exactly what I was thinking. So, I mean, that's the kind of, of censorship and that they, we're dealing with here. And then they do their own studies or, or their own testing where they put monkeys in a cage and put masks over their face and have them inhale like 300 uh, cannabis joints at one time so that you know oh. basically kills them <laughs> but it, not from wow. the cannabis but probably from uh, lack of oxygen the smoke yeah 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 in all my research I've, i have yet to find a lethal dose of any cannabis which is also interesting just because of the way that uh, it works on the brain it's mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't build up in the brain like other drugs that we think of right so actually and, and- if you don't mind me getting into a bit of the science, so cannabinoids yeah, are actually a neurotransmitter 
in the brain. So every living creature that has a central nervous system has an endocannabinoid system, and they naturally produce cannabinoids called endocannabinoids inside their body. But the thing about cannabinoids is they are unlike any other neurotransmitter ever discovered because uh, according to science, all neurotransmitters travel one direction. They go from the signaling neuron to the receptor neuron. But mm -hmm. uh, cannabinoids actually travel backwards. And so the reason why there's no toxic dose, the reason why it's such an effective treatment for everything from chronic pain to seizures and epilepsy is because uh, instead of, uh, let's say you use something like opium, uh, that's like me shouting at you and you don't want to hear me anymore. So you put in earplugs only. I don't know that you're wearing earplugs. So I'm just shouting at you until I wear myself out. And that's mm -hmm. sort of what happens with, with opium and painkillers. Whereas cannabis instead travels backwards. So that's instead of you putting on earplugs, you come to me and you say, Hey, you know what? I don't want to hear this right now. And so I just stop talking. And so it's actually a more natural way of stopping overstimulation in the brain. Wow. I had never heard it described like that. That's very interesting. And so it, I mean, we have these receptors all throughout our body, in our brain, in our nervous system, in our liver and spleen. Yeah, and your um, immune system is uh, a huge area where endocannabinoid receptors are. And the endocannabs, uh, the CB1 receptor, which is what THC acts on, uh, is the most abundant uh, G protein coupled receptor in the brain. So mm -hmm. you have more of those than any other receptor in your brain. Wow. And I also heard that we, because there's, there's no um, receptors in the brain stem, that that's why we can't overdose on it because it doesn't overtake our, our breathing or these autonomic functions of the body. Correct. It doesn't interfere with other, yeah, it doesn't interfere with other functions. And also, uh, because uh, most neurotransmitters are water-soluble and polarized, they have a North Pole and a South Pole, whereas cannabinoids mm -hmm. are fat-soluble and oils have no polarity. And so uh, they don't disperse uh, because uh, intracranial fluid and between your, your neurons is mostly water. So the oil mm -hmm. cannabinoids, they don't, just, they don't disperse throughout the brain. So they stay near the receptor where they're being um, released. They don't actually drift through the brain. Wow. So, I mean, this, this is so fascinating, and there's so many aspects of, of cannabis that we can go into. Um, but really, the, the Canopedia site is not only going to be a wiki. You've got an amazing group of, of hempsters that are assisting you with the site and congealing all these amazing articles so that um, you know, you can keep getting this information out there to people. Um, but I'm curious, is it an open source type platform or is it, is, is the nonprofit kind of group just going to be a, a tight group of people that are really, you know, dedicated to doing these articles and, and journalistic entries? The, the journalistic articles will be by invitation only. Uh, but we have, we do have several guest writers who write for us. Uh, and mm -hmm. as for the, the can of wiki, we thought about opening it up to the public, like the Wikipedia, but because it's such a politically charged uh, and polarizing issue, we decided not to open it up to the public. Uh, mm -hmm. It is Creative Commons, so anything we write on the wiki can be copied and reused, uh, just like anything on Wikipedia. So we, there's no copyright okay. on the information. Uh, but we are going to limit it to and qualified people to update the Canna wiki because 
there, I mean, there are people who are literally going to be putting their lives uh, on the line based on the information. It has to be. Exactly. Absolutely. So we've discussed cannabinoids and, and how you were transformed by medicinal cannabis and received these amazing benefits. What are, are some of your other favorite topics when it comes to cannabis, you know, either for medicine or for industrial applications? Well, actually, honestly, my true passion in getting into cannabis is because of the hemp supercapacitors. So the, the whole medical side is just because that's the biggest need. But for me, I think the uh, I, I'm very aware of the finite resources of our planet and how we're currently destroying our planet. And to me, I don't think human civilization as it currently exists is sustainable. And I love what people like Elon Musk and the company Tesla are doing. And I love... Uh, I live in Germany at the moment, and I love the fact that uh, they're so behind renewable energy, wind and solar. And I think the future is going to be electric. If everybody had batteries, we're going to run out of rare earth metals, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. cadmium, nickel, and all these things that are mined by 15-year-old slaves in third world countries. And right. when I learned about, um, I first learned about graphene several years ago. And it sounded like a miracle substance, but the problem is it costs thousands of dollars to produce a couple of grams of graphene. Yeah. And um, recently, researchers discovered that you can make graphene from hemp by simply pressure cooking it for a certain amount of time at a certain temperature. It naturally forms carbon nanotubes. So now mm -hmm. instead of thousands of dollars for a couple of grams, you can make thousands of grams for a couple of dollars. It's literally <laughs> exactly. uh, become dirt cheap. And it's made from a waste product from using hemp for other things. It's made from the, the herds, the woody core, uh, mm -hmm. after you've already harvested the seeds for food and the stock for fibers. Mm -hmm. So it's almost a waste product. And I've met a company now who are already producing supercapacitors that have eight times the energy density of current batteries. So if you had a battery the same size as what's in your iPhone, it would last eight times longer. Wow. It can operate at minus 40 Celsius to almost boiling, oh uh, which God. is around 95 Celsius. They, they showed me a video where they had it hooked up to a voltage meter and they were showing the voltage output of the battery as they drove a metal spike through the battery. There was no smoke, no heat. The battery kept working. It just dropped its output uh, by the number of, of uh, cells that were damaged so, right. by the nail. And there's no danger. It doesn't explode, doesn't overheat. Charge instantly because it's a supercapacitor. So no half an hour charge. You plug it in. If the power's there, boom, it's charged instantly. And of mm -hmm. course, stores eight times as much. And it's so environmentally friendly. There's no toxic chemicals used in it. When you're done with it, you can cut it open and use it as fertilizer in your garden. Oh my goodness. So Which would actually like, probably be pretty beneficial to the garden. Yeah, yeah. That's the amazing thing. It's like there, there is no downside to this. And every time I hear something about, about this plant, that's how I got so hooked on it. I would hear something and I'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, that's, that's bull crap. Let me, let me debunk this. And then I would research mm -hmm. and find out that it's actually true. And when that's I heard about these hemp supercapacitors, I just, I didn't believe it. And until this guy showed me the videos and showed me the actual products and he hooked it up to his car and started his car with it. And then my jaw hit the floor and I'm like, people have to know about this. <laughs> Absolutely. So obviously this is a topic that will make it to the Canopedia once, once it's kind of fully fledged with all the medical stuff. Cause that's like you said, it's the most important need, get people healthy and healing. 
And then let's start getting into these other aspects of life, like energy production. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's where my real passion lies. But uh, yeah, I think people yeah. need, people need something these days. And uh, actually, I just wrote an article today where uh, hemp is being considered now a vegetable and actually basically a superfood. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, the, the seed is superfood already because 100 grams of hemp seed contain more protein than 100 grams of beef and better right. protein than egg white. And at the same time, it's a perfectly balanced uh, essential fatty acid profile. You know, the omegas 3, 6, and 9 are the exact ratio that the human body needs. So, uh, mm-hmm. But in addition to that, they're finding that uh, when you eat the flowers and the leaves, you can actually take in 100 times more cannabinoids than if you decarboxylate them and heat it. Wow, in that raw form. That's correct. Yeah. And so you can get much, much higher and much more medicinally uh, valuable doses when you eat it raw, when you juice it uh, or eat it in a salad and things like that. So uh, the, the doctor I was looking into today, he said that um, around 10 milligrams of THC is when most people feel a high and euphoric. Uh, mm-hmm. around 50 milligrams is when you start to feel dysphoric. You know, you start to feel paranoid and you start to uh, not like life and you question your existence. That's, you know, that's what, what people call bad trip. That's around 20 milligrams per kilogram wow. of body weight, I believe it was. Um, wow. Whereas, well, DJ, I, I apologize for uh, cutting it off, but we have about 30 seconds left on the show. Oh, no. I'm so thankful. <laughs> We'll uh, definitely have to do another episode and, and get into, you know, where the where the uh, website's going and, and how people can get involved and just help, you know, support this nonprofit. So I want to thank you so much for uh, being on to today's show. It's really, really exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to having this as a resource. And thank you for your readers, uh, for your listeners for listening. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in today's show. Go ahead and power your hemposphere. Eat some hemp today. Peace out.